What's going on, everybody? Steve Inman here. Chris Brito in the house as well. It's the All Hoops Podcast. We are back. We got a big episode. It is trade season, and it's already underway. The Knicks have acquired Cam Reddish from Atlanta. They basically gave 50 cents on the dollar, a protected Charlotte pick, which didn't have a ton of value, and young forehead himself, Kevin Knox, is out. Unfortunately, that means the longest-tenured Nick is gone, but at the same time, Chris... Nick's made a big trade. What do you think? Hey, Stevie. Um, I, I love the deal. I mean, frankly, it's hard to find any, any wrinkle with this one. And just to have a young guy like Cam Reddish on the team is, speaks to how well Leon Rose has just been great at, a, at attaining uh, value, value, players with value, right? Like, I think you put it best when you describe Cam Reddish as a distressed asset, which is a crazy way to refer to a young NBA player with, with clearly a lot of talent. Um, but clearly he didn't have the minutes there or didn't have the playing time needed for him to really grow. And so not that the Knicks are a better destination for that. We were just talking about how, you know, really the Knicks have so many good rotation pieces or good enough rotation pieces. Like even someone like Deuce McBride, who has been killing it in the G League, you know, he's been getting playing time only because of injuries and because of Rose being out and because of COVID. You know, it'll be interesting to see whose minutes will be cut now that Cam Reddish is going to be back on the team. I think Grimes will probably be the, the, the first person um, for that right now. Um, I mean, who knows? And I think the other big question, now that Cam Reddish is on the team, RJ Barrett is on the team, they're just missing one big part of that puzzle. From which Duke, is right? From Duke. Trey Jones. Trey Jones. <laughs> yes. I beat you to that one. We did not have <laughs> No, I, I think this, it's a great trade. And, you know, people keep saying, oh, it means, you know, somebody's going to have to get cut from the rotation. They're going to make another big trade. I don't know if that's the case, Chris. I think okay. – as I talked about, I really believe this is just Leanne Rose continuing to round out the edges of this roster. You've seen him move up in drafts, down in drafts, based on where value is. He really values those kind of things, or at least the Knicks front office as a whole does. And Cam Reddish, to me, was a distressed asset. You got him for 50 cents on the dollar, where um, if he plays well as a Nick, you can either re-sign him. He's a part of your core. He's a 22-year-old wing. Very rare to find those, right? Or if he doesn't play well, you could probably sign and trade him somewhere else in the offseason, you know, as a, you know, RFA in 2023. And you could probably recoup that first round pick back. So I really don't think they gave up a ton here. You know, at the same time, uh, I really don't think he's going to play a lot to start. You know, he's already got the ankle injury and there's talk that he's not going to play anytime soon. So I really believe they did this just for the fact that they felt like he was a distressed asset and they could get him on the cheap. And I don't think it necessarily means another move is coming immediately. But about the potential move that could come, Zion Williamson. He's the other, the other guy from Duke that we didn't mention that could be part of the long-term planning for the Knicks. How does he fit, though, with Randall? Or does he, does he not? Fit. He doesn't fit. That's, that's the answer to your question. But – 
I wonder with how things are going this season, and I'm not suggesting that they do this, but I wonder if a Randall plus picks would do it for the Pelicans. Yeah, uh, I think that's definitely a, a thing that needs to be considered. Uh, when James Harden was in Houston going, get me out, get me out. He's gaining weight. He's looking disinterested. He, you know, they, they had him away from the team at one point. It became clear they had to move on. And it's very, very similar to what's going on in New Orleans with Zion Williamson. He's gaining a crazy amount of weight. Now he's training on his own. There's talk that he doesn't really trust the front office. The front office doesn't really know how to get him in, in line. So it very well could be a similar situation where he gets traded to a place he wants to go like New York. And then all of a sudden we realize, hey, he wasn't that overweight and he got himself in a shape quick. Or like James Harden, he was probably wearing a fat suit. You know, it, you never really know with these kind of things and it's a player's league. And if that's where he wants to go, he could find a way to get it done. I just don't know if he's a better long-term option for the Knicks than Julius Randle, who has his problems, but at the same time, he's, he's played at an all NBA level for a lot longer than, than, than Zion has where Randall's got a full season of that under his belt. And Zion has been played what uh, 80 games in three years. I mean, I, I'm not ready to come in a, a max deal to him plus give up draft picks. Yeah, I mean, that's completely fair. And, and, and Zion is as talented as he is. He still has to prove that he can be a max player. Um, but there are a lot of shades of the Kawhi Leonard situation from a few years ago with the Spurs where he eventually forced a trade into uh, Toronto. Not, not that he wanted to go to Toronto, but um, that was the trading partner then. So I wonder if the Pelicans, knowing that they're not going to be a playoff team or nowhere close to being, um, I wonder if now is the time to move Zion or, cause what are you, what are you going to do for it? What are you going to do? He's not going to, he's not going to, he's not going to play. He's uh, not going to, I mean, my guess is what happens is they play this out next year. They don't give him the money this summer and they tell him to prove it. And if he, you know, if he comes back and has a big year, they give him the max. If he comes back and is hurt, they probably still give him the max because they don't want to lose the asset. So I don't know. It's just one of these things where, you know, he's played in three more games in his first three seasons than Greg Oden. But he's also played in a significant amount of more games than Joel Embiid, who has been very healthy since those first three seasons. Mm -hmm. So you don't really know how this is going to play out. Is this going to be one of the, oh, what could have been kind of like Greg Oden, or is he going to become an MVP candidate somewhere? So it's just so hard to tell. And my guess is it's going to be a new front office this summer who's going to be making those picks. I mean, it's really fair to say. And I think, I mean, it's a shame with how the situation has gone with New Orleans, but back to Cam Reddish and the fit on this team, I think, you know, the great thing about Cam Reddish is that he's shown flashes of potential. Like you see it there. I just think that with, with him, you need to give him some consistency. And moving forward, I don't know how the Knicks are going to be able to provide that, but he can also play defense. So maybe, I don't know, maybe if, if the Knicks find a, a, a person to, to, to clear the backlog of, of guards and wings, maybe there's a way he can get more playing time. And maybe that's what the big trade that, you know, the New York Post was alluding to. And, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I love the deal. 
who knows if it works out, but I just love the initiative. And I think um, the athletic writer, I forget what his name is, he put it, he, he really summed up this Rose administration really well, as opposed to many teams reacting at the trade deadline, he sort of like created the market for it. And exactly. And I think having that sort of initiative has been rare in the front office for the Knicks. And this is yet another indication of how forward thinking they are. They're like, they don't stand pat, but they're also not going to make a move to, without making a move. And if they make a move, it's going to be a value move. So. And, and Chris, remember, like we, we've killed this team throughout the year. It's been very inconsistent, but they have the same record they did last year where they wound up finishing with a four seed and making it to the playoffs. And at this time last year, they acquired Derek Rose for a former first round pick that did not work out in Dennis Smith and a, you know, late later draft pick that didn't really mean a lot for Derek Rose. We didn't think much of that one at the time, but he transformed this team. And, you know, not that you're expecting Cam Reddish to do the same thing, but I think he should help when he gets healthy and Rose should get help as well when he gets healthy. And I believe that this team's best basketball is in front of them. And considering how they're already, you know, they're not out of this thing. They're 21 and 21. They're right in the thick of it. And I really believe the playoffs are still in their future. Yeah. And, you know, there was a stat that I saw today that the, that the Knicks have the best, the best defense since January 1st. Not a big, you know, sequence to really compare their defensive defensive ability of the whole year. But they most of these shows, we, we've been complaining about how they've lost their defensive identity. And I don't know what it is. Maybe they, they thought maybe this could be a good resolution for 2020, 2022, that they're, much, they're playing much better and they're moving the ball a lot better. I mean, you saw it against the Mavericks. The Mavericks had no answer for the Knicks. It was one of those wire-to-wire games which the Knicks were just the better team. And against the Spurs, too. Yeah, and those are surprising, especially the Dallas one. They had Luka in fits. They they had nothing, no answers for the Knicks defense, and mm-hmm. it's it's and RJ Barrett. RJ RJ Barrett has been playing a lot better. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, hopefully, this is you know the last of the streaks, and this is more who he is. But we've seen a lot of a few of these thirty mm-hmm. point a game stretches, and then he goes back to eleven. And the hope is that he can you know level off and be a legit twenty point scorer and. I think he very well can be. We both know he has the talent for that. And again, I think the Knicks at midseason right now at 21 and 21, you know, their best basketball is ahead of them. So let's move on, Chris. Some other midseason thoughts around the league. I want to start with one, you know, negative one, unfortunately. It's the Portland Trailblazers. It's been a disastrous season. Lillard's hurt. McCollum's been hurt. You know, they're getting very little out of the rest of the roster other than Anthony Simons, who you know, has killed it since those guys have left. But also, by the way, you have to decide about paying him as an RFA this summer. So, so many tough decisions in Portland. They don't really have a, a full front office. They're, they're starting to, you know, hire people now, but it's an interim GM who I don't believe is going to sign off on trading Damian Lillard. So, honestly, I feel like their best chance to have a competitive roster, a, a championship caliber roster with Damian Lillard is to just tell him to go home. You tell him to go home, you get himself right from the ab injury. You know, CJ McCollum can can help them be competitive while still losing games. And I feel like their only chance to make a Lillard McCollum Simons trio work 
is to add another piece in the draft. And they're going to have to, you know, bottom this thing out and get a top five pick and hope you hit one of those ping pong balls. Because if not, this is an, uh, you know, a 45 win team once again, that isn't going anywhere out of the first round. Yeah. And I think you're, you hit the nail on the head there because clearly the Blazers are not going to be a team to be reckoned with. I think, I hope Dame has a, a few more years under his belt where he can perform at a high level. But, you know, quite frankly, this injury might just be something that I hope it's not a sign of the times, but he's getting an old, he's an older player now. He can't be in a state of continuously pulling the Blazers by, by his own sheer will. So I think you hit it. I mean, the Blazers just need to need to do something different and they need to get this draft pick right too. Or trade yeah, that pick for, right. or trade that pick and McCollum for a, a more established player in the NBA. I don't even know if that's enough because I don't think you're going to get that franchise star level player that they're going to need to pair with Lillard to make this work. What if it's what if it's Sabonis? That might work. That might work. But you know, Lillard yeah. and McC- and Sabonis to me would be amazing offensively and horrible defensively, and you wouldn't have anything else around those two guys. So while I think they'd be different and I think that's worth exploring, I don't think that makes them a championship team. And then you're talking about Damian Lillard wanting a trade out of there in, in a, in a year anyway. Uh, I I want to bring back one thing you just said though, where you said Lillard's an older player, which is true, right? He's two years older than us, my friend. We are, we are getting up there. I saw before Jose Calderon, who was a, a Nick when we were in college, he's, been out of the league for years and now he's getting a special advisor job with the Cavs after apprenticeship with the, you know, players association. We are old, my friends. Excuse me. You're old. We're, we're the same age. We're both 29. (laughs) Excuse me. You're two months older than I am. Um, When you put it that way, it's just insane how as an athlete, your body just starts to decline (laughs) after you hit a certain age. And whereas us, we're just entering our primes. Allegedly. As Allegedly. podcasters. As podcasters. Um, Dame, Dame, you know, listen, I hope, I hope the Blazers figure it out. I just, I, I, it's just, they're very limited in what you can do. And I think the best mode of action here is to trade Lillard. They're in the same situation as they were with Westbrook and OKC. I mean, OKC was not going to be able to get a championship caliber roster around Westbrook. And so they did the right thing in trading Russell. They did. They did. Lillard. I would just, I would just say though, um, with Lillard, like let's see how this this summer plays out because you're gonna have a lot more interested suitors in the summer when there's a lot more cap space to go around, and you know what? Maybe it's a very small chance. Maybe it's ten percent. Maybe it's five percent. But like there is that chance that you could hit on this lottery pick, and you could find a you know premier player that one excites Damian Lillard into wanting to stay and two can really make this more of a dynamic all-around roster instead of just a very good backcourt with nothing else so I would trade Nurkic I would trade you know all these these vets that aren't Lillard and, and maybe McCollum and just see you know what you can get for those guys try to get a few more picks back and then just you gotta hope and pray because if not it's time for a blow it up situation, if not. So that is my negative. Let's go to the positive. Chris, LeBron James, have you seen what he's been doing? 29 points a game. 
It is his most since 2007-2008. He's turning back the clock. He's also shooting 52% from the floor. Uh, I mean, I, I'm speechless. I can't believe what he's doing. He's, he's shooting 36.5% you know, from three, which is a little above average. He's carrying the Lakers with Russell Westbrook really struggling and Anthony Davis missing time. Uh, what do you think about LeBron? I mean, I'm not – I'd love to say I'm not surprised, but any other player doing this, and he would, he would be under so much consideration for MVP, for having the best season ever this late in his, in his career. But LeBron James, you, sure, you, sure, you, you sort of just expect it. And we should really enjoy it because there's not going to be another player playing – what in year 19 or 18, whatever his year is, and playing this well. He's basically an MVP level candidate for bringing the Lakers, who are a bunch of, you know, not G League guys, but basically guys on minimum contracts, Russell Westbrook, and an injured, oft injured Anthony Davis. So I feel like the buddy healed Westbrook pivot will go down as the worst move of, of 2021. That's my opinion. Oh, I mean, easily. I mean, I, I, there's just no buddy. You buddy healed. You could have KCP who's having a nice year. You could have kept some of these role players like a Kuzma. I think actually Kuzma was going to go to Sacramento in that deal. Who's playing really well in Washington right now. I mean, but you, like you, Caruso, Caruso. flexibility to do other things. They could have traded KCP or, or, or some of these picks to go out and get another, you know, point guard or, or some kind of, you know, big. Instead, now they have these three giant contracts really only one of them is playing at a high level. They, they have nothing to do. Like Westbrook's untradeable. Well, the, other, the other complicated notion about the whole thing is that they're missing another ball handler who can really like create an offense. You know, Russell obviously could, but he's just not enough, enough of an offensive threat to really be someone who can create for others. And I think that's what they expected out of uh, Horton Tucker, but he hasn't been that at all. And so they've sort of banked their future on him as opposed to someone like Alex Caruso, who you know, you know, brought the defensive intensity, could also set up for others and be a three-point threat. And look at him now. He's flourishing with the Bulls. So I think moving forward, this, as you said, that the trade that didn't happen, it will end up being the worst thing that happened for the Lakers because – Russell Westbrook, you know, he's under a lot of scrutiny right now because of the way he's playing, because of the way he's shooting. But we'll see, we'll see how the rest of the, the season goes for them, quite honestly. The, the Taylor Horton-Tucker decision versus, like, Caruso versus Kuzma versus these other guys that were making, you know, $12 million a year or so, that was also really bad. And that one reminds me a little bit of when the Knicks traded for Carmelo, right? They had to basically trade everything they were able to keep one asset and that was Landry Fields. And they were like, Landry Fields is the guy where really we think he'll play really well in this mellow team. And basically he went back into being a pumpkin. The second they made that mellow trade, he was, he was more or less done as a Nick from that point on where they probably could have gotten away with keeping Gallinari who became a, you know, 20 point scorer in the NBA or a Wilson Chandler, who's a three and D wing, you know, same thing here. 
a Caruso, a Kuzma, one of those guys really could have helped the Lakers right now versus Horton Tucker, who's not giving them much. But Chris, that's your that's your negative. Let's hear your positive at midseason. So it's going to be two and one. Um, I really want to talk about the Bulls, the Bulls resurgence, and really the East being the better conference for being the better conference for the first time in a very long time. Um, there's stiff competition from the top seed, which are the Bulls right now, all the way to, 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 to the 11th spot, which the Knicks are at. Um, anyway, the Bulls just – we didn't give them much credit for what they did in the offseason. I think we didn't expect them to gel as well as they have and as quickly as they have. You know, a lot of teams often bring up the excuse of not being not, – you know, the Knicks being one of them, which is like bringing in new pieces and them not molding together. But the Bulls have sort of figured it out. Um, it seems like they have good juju on that team. You know, Zach Levine has deferred to DeMar DeRozan a lot, and DeMar DeRozan has delivered. I mean, he hit two game-winning jump shots in the consecutive days, the first time the NBA that's ever happened in the NBA. And That's another guy who wanted to be a Laker, by the way. You think, he, you think some, having someone like that couldn't have helped LeBron in all the minutes that he's playing? It's, it's crazy, though, because if DeRozan was a Laker, for one, they would be great, okay? They would be really great. But DeRozan made some significant changes in his game to become a passer, a very, you know, basically an automatic mid-range shooter in San Antonio. They weren't winning games. No one cared about the Spurs. So if this happened and he was a Laker right now, all the credit, all the credit would be given to LeBron James. Oh, you, you changed DeRozan's career, all these things when – you know, and look at him now in Chicago. It's it's unbelievable what he's doing. And, you know, he's always a guy who I felt like was a replaceable guy, a little bit of empty calories with the, with the stats. A great fantasy guy, a not-so-guy, great guy if you're trying to win 50, 60 games. And that's what the Bulls are on pace for, 50, 60 games. Yeah. I mean, the, the Bulls are playing fantastic. They lost against the Nets the other night. They're really missing Caruso. But, you know, they have impressive wins. They've beat the Nets twice. Um, and they've been some of the other great teams in the NBA. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I love what they're about. Um, the Grizzlies, I put the Grizzlies up there as also it was a great surprise this year. John third Murray, in the West now, third, third in the West. Crazy, thirty MVP. wins. It's it's unbelievable. John Morant MVP candidate for sure. And making money for betters in New Jersey and New York. There we go. I got them the other day. That's great stuff. And uh, mid season. You know, it's always a great reflecting point, but we got a lot of great basketball ahead of us and, you know, playoffs around the corner as well. I'm really excited for that. You know, as the Super Bowl ends, it seems like the, the season always kind of speeds up a little bit. So very excited for that trade deadline around the corner, but let's get to our final thoughts right after this. All right, Chris, final thoughts time here. As if Ben Simmons trade stuff was as slow as ever. Now, for some reason, Daryl Morey's like, let me attach Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris's three years and $120 million to the Simmons thing. So basically he's going to Sacramento or he's not getting traded at all. So I think we should rename final thoughts to the latest on Ben Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I just want him to be traded. Um, I don't know. What do you see playing out with the Simmons thing? We're, we're, we're what a month away from the trade deadline. Yeah, February 10th, I believe, is the day. So we're about a month away. And it, based on everything – Do you think it gets traded before that? 
I, I'm starting to think no. I'm starting to think they're literally going to waste a year of Embiid's prime and they're going to drag this out into the, into the offseason because it's just such a complicated trade. He only fits a certain amount of teams and they're not looking to get back draft picks so they could use those on a, on, a, on a star. They're looking to just get this done in one swoop and it just doesn't seem possible. The only team that really makes sense is Sacramento and, you know, is a Halliburton Barnes package. Is that enough? I think so. But like, I love Halliburton and, you know, six or people I talk to are like, no way. And, you know, but they also hate Ben Simmons. So I'm like, why are you guys hold him to such high standard? It, none of it makes any sense. I drafted him on the fantasy team in like the fifth round. And I'm, I'm very convinced between him and Kawhi Leonard, I'm going to wind up with zero games out of both of them. Uh, you can turn him to my team. Sure. We can talk. We'll talk after this. I'm very interested in whatever the offer is. All right. Is. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope the whole Ben Simmons – I hope to never talk about Ben Simmons after he gets traded. And also, can, can you explain the Harris angle to me? Like, Ben Simmons makes $35 million a year. You want to attach Tobias, Harris, Tobias Harris's $40 million a year to, to that deal. This year he makes 36 The year after 38 then 41 in 2024. And I think, again, I think the only team in that situation, the Kings also make sense. Right. But like that's the only team. So you're really limiting the market. And Tobias is a very like nice player. He's an 18 point a game guy, seven rebounds. That is he's, just a, he's just like a guy that you would love to have on your team for 20 million a year. And he's a guy who makes 40 million. A year. And that's, that's the difference right there because it really limits your flexibility. And, you know, now you're talking about him as a negative trade asset, trying to dump him with Ben Simmons. I, I, I don't know how trading those two guys can make the Sixers better, you know, short-term and long-term. I, I, I don't see how those two things connect. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I just wish they would just get a Ben Simmons trade done. It seems like they've had some pretty good offers, you know, the Lavert Brogdon thing or would have done over the summer. I don't get why they said no to that. I'm still not convinced they're going to do better than that. But uh, anything else you have before we wrap up the show? Nobody. I'm, I'm excited to see how the Knicks turn around the next of the, the next, the second half of the NBA season, buddy. Yeah, I'm excited too. Uh, I think Knicks Hawks is the next game would have been cool to see Reddish play the Hawks, but uh, it looks like he's out with the ankle, but uh, keep an eye on those Hawks. You know, there's talk about John Collins now being a, a trade guy and, you know, their GM Travis Schlenk came on the radio the other day and said, basically, maybe it was a mistake to bring everybody back. So anytime a GM comes out and says that midway through the season, you can expect the, the trade rumors to be out. So that's going to do it for us here on the all hoops podcast. Big thanks to Chris, as always, the star producer and amazing co-host. And we'll be back next week Thank to you, talk buddy. more and be action. You're amazing too, buddy. Bye, everyone.